Live from the 607, it's the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour, where we're talking movies, TV, comics, and more. Join in the conversation on our social media with the hashtag ODPH, because here we go. Welcome back for another edition of the ODPH Podcast, better known as the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. What is going on, everybody? My name is Ken M. Joining me in studio, as always, he is the co-host. His name is Padawan J. Hello, hello, hello. Folks, we have a lot to discuss in the land of movies, TV, and comics, so join in that conversation on social media, will you? Head on over to OchoDuroParleyHour.com. You can join in the conversation on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And remember to use that hashtag, ODPH, because we definitely want to interact with you. Kicking off the show, we are going to be recapping what is slowly becoming one of my favorite shows right now. Okay. And that is DC Universe's slash CW's Stargirl. Okay. Now, originally when the show came out, I didn't really think I would like this as much. Uh-huh. I'll, I'll be very honest. I thought it was going to be very teenish. So it doesn't necessarily t- skew towards your interests. No, it doesn't because... Like, let's face it, I'm just not into the teen dramas. Yeah. I, I, I don't watch Riverdale. I'm not into I'll say, like, much most like, of the CW stuff. Much like there are comics for every possible interest, horror fans, sci-fi fans, fantasy fans, the same can be said for comic book TV shows. You know, what appeals to you and I might not appeal to somebody else. Somebody may really love Riverdale. That's perfectly fine. Absolutely. But for us, yeah, it's not our cup of tea. Not really my cup of java, but I still am sipping some of the coffee here because... The one thing that this show is nailing, and I appreciate it being a longtime comic reader, mm-hmm. is they're really capturing the essence of the Justice Society of America feel. Okay. Like if you've ever read a JSA book, it's very golden age. It's very old school. It's mm. it's very retro. And one thing I, I cannot reiterate enough when I'm talking about this show, this has a modern retro feel to it. Okay. The two episodes I've seen thus far, I can't really tell if I'm watching something straight from the 80s mm. or if I'm watching something present day because it really teeters the line. Sure. Which is very good. It just it has that old school feel to it sure. of superhero shows that, like, let's face it, Arrow never did. No. Arrow was trying to be a Batman ripoff. Yeah. Let, let, let's be honest, and it's gone through different uh, yeah. You know, yeah. years. Flash has always been the happy-go-lucky show. Happy-go-lucky with, like, a mix of, like, sci-fi, kind of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., kind of Star Wars kind of vibe. Yeah, it borrows a lot, but it's not a bad thing. It just, it's a different vibe. Yeah. Legends of Tomorrow is American Doctor Who. Mm -hmm. You you can't tell me otherwise. No. Batwoman is still trying to find her voice, but she's, it's getting better. I will say that. Supergirl had the strongest season this past year Mm -hmm. in the CW, but remember, that started out so sugary and poppy. Sure, sure. I was turned off at the minute they jumped to the CW and they really let the writers go. Sure. It's gotten a lot better. And and John Cryer as Lex Luthor is straight gold. I can't miss episodes now. That being said, when this show was announced, was really on the fence about it. Didn't really know what to expect. I'm happily surprised at it. Okay. I definitely am. So I'm going to start talking spoilers in three, two, one. This episode captures that retro feel, carries the story on through. You do have some, you know, dare I say, teen drama moments, but you're expecting sure, that with, yeah. a, with a young yeah. superhero. I'll say we're not dealing with time jumps and where they're all of a sudden 20-something years old. So now, yeah, we're going to get the growing pains. Yeah, you're getting the growing pains, but they're handling it very well. Sure. And I, I can't stress this enough. Luke Wilson playing Stripe in this show has been the saving grace of this entire show. 
when he is on playing the character Pat Dugan, aka Stripey, aka Stripe, as we'll get into later on, has really bearing the soul of the show. Mm-hmm. And I really think where he is demonstrating that classic feel and also trying to take it and make it modern. Because where the show jumps in for this episode, he's explaining to Courtney, aka Stargirl, aka Breck Bassinger about the history of what happened with the JSA's attack from the Injustice Society, where it kicked off in the premiere. And he's trying to explain how our man allegedly survived the attack, and Pat has been trying to track him down. He's created the armor that you see as the stripe armor, mm-hmm. which I, I can't stress enough, the special effects for this, really good. Oh, yeah. It looks like the Iron Giant meets a Cadillac. Okay. But it's spot on, and it's how well it's done – you know that this is definitely done with a with a DC Universe budget. Oh yeah, no, it's it's a it's a DC Universe budget, so it's kind of like it's you. It's not exactly, and this is not a slight on them, but anyone watching the Arrowverse shows knows that it's not exactly a high budget show. Mm-hmm. It's not exactly Arrowverse special effects, but it's not exactly Mandalorian special effects. Right, but you have enough that it definitely stands out, especially yeah. when you see how it articulates and how right. it moves and right. the little parts. Because where he comes in. And he's explaining to Courtney what has happened because they finally escaped from Brainwave and the attack. Mm-hmm. So Stripe gets them out of there. Brainwave is sitting there watching and plotting his next move, which they do touch upon. And I like how they follow up about this, but I'll get into it a little later in the show. Where now we're flashing to where Rex is having to talk with Courtney and explaining what has happened and why he came to Blue Valley. And he's trying to investigate what really happened after he left. Our man is presumed dead. Mm-hmm. And. But then, you know, obviously, comics, we don't see a body. Sure. Who knows? So I, I feel that that is going to get touched upon a little later. But he does explain now about what is going on. And his ultimate goal is, like, he wants to try bringing the Injustice Society to justice and try finding a way. Mm. And Courtney is being the very vigilant, young, naive hero. Okay, well, we'll do this and we'll do this. Right. And he's like, no, you need to think smart because Brainwave is definitely out of your league. Mm -hmm. And at this point, she's just given pushback because she feels now, well, I got the cosmic staff. I can do whatever I want. Right. I want to say much like any young superhero. Yes, which perfect sense. And it it flowed very well. Like I said, their back and forth has been spot on. And and I I do like seeing the interaction between Bassinger and Wilson because you really get the sense of the young, naive superhero with – I don't want to say the grizzled veteran, Mm -hmm. but the one that has definitely walked in those shoes before and knows the the perils that come with being a superhero and especially being a young superhero. Let's say I remember some of those instances in the early seasons of Smallville where Clark, you know, didn't have all his powers yet and he was developing them. And there was more than one instance where he's like, oh, I'm super powered. I'm basically invulnerable and I can run really fast. Here, let me just charge in here and take care of things. Whoops, I screwed it up. Yeah. So at this stage, they kind of come to a standstill where Pat is advising Courtney, just let it go. Mm. Don't go after Brainwave. You're definitely outmatched. And he's basically just trying to be very protective, Mm -hmm. which you you fully get. And she, of course, says, all right, whatever, and brushes it off. And then you see him going into this training montage with with the stripe armor. Right. And you can definitely tell that he is very out of practice or the upgrades are not exactly working because mm. he's trying to do a shooting fist from his armor and uh, you okay. see it, it fall off. Mm. You see at one point he goes, he fires it back at himself. Oh, boy. I mean, it, it's just comic relief that that made sense because through all of this, we know that Stripesy 
was never the big hero. Right. So now he's trying to fill in those shoes, and maybe it's something to that that snarky comment that Starman made before he died that he knew Dugan was not going to be the guy. Mm-hmm. And it was a really cool little fun montage they're going on, and the next morning when they're having breakfast, you can see that he's all bruised up, and he's trying to say, well, I slipped down the, the basement stairs. Well, at the same token, you see Courtney coming in to the breakfast table, and telling her mom, well, yeah, I slipped down the stairs as well because she's got a little marks up from the battle. So obviously they're both making plans to go after Brainwave respectively. Mm-hmm. And also what is very noteworthy is you see when Stargirl is deciding to take this mission upon herself, she goes through the archives of the JSA, which Pat has in the basement, and gets Starman's armor, his oh, costume, boy. which is, is like chainmail. So sure. there is this little like very teenish uh, scenes where she's trying to go to the home ec class and, mm-hmm. and make her costume because she's, you know, obviously you decide with great power comes great responsibility. You know, that little moment where you decide, okay, I'm going to put on a costume. And, sure. And, and like she kind of teased it before when they were talking that, okay, I need a costume. I need a mask. And he's like, no, you need to back off and you need not to go about this. Meanwhile, Brainwave is completely working the system and trying to figure out, okay, how do I track her down? And he's going through uh, different uh, interrogation methods with his son because mm-hmm. he's really trying to pick his brain of what happened because obviously the previous episode when she decided to go attack him at the drive-in, you know, when the staff decided to act on its own, he knows that there's a, a clue in there. And then when Brainwave does find a clue that, okay, searching around where they were fighting, he does find her school ID card. Oh, boy. So now he goes, okay, I know how to to track you down. Ironically, at this time, they are planning a high school open house, open open door day. Sure, like start of the year type of deal. Right, because one thing about Blue Valley is it's very close-knit community. It's like one of, the, one of those scenarios where, like, everyone knows everyone and you can't get away with anything. Right, yeah. It's okay. one It's one of those where everybody okay. knows each other's business. And, of, of course, if there's some big event in town, it's like small-town USA. Sure, one person knows, all of a sudden the entire town knows. Right, so that is the big meeting place where he goes, okay, well, I'll be able to track her down and find her there because everybody is going to be there. Mm-hmm. And at this point, too, they're kind of hatching their own plans about all right, what do we do? And, you know, about brainwave and, and even Pat's kind of warning Courtney, don't go there mm-hmm. because there's going to be trouble. And they are running this little side plot too, which I have to say, I did laugh out loud. Okay. That Pat is getting coerced into going into joining a gym and is having a workout montage, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And do you want to take a guess what the song was? Uh, Something popular from the eighties. You're the best around. <laughs> I laughed out oh, loud. That's a good one. I'm sorry. We bust out the Karate Kid soundtrack. Mm-hmm. I was, pff, I, it was a wrap. I was like, this is incredible. And it just goes to show, like, there is a moment when you can be campy and funny on a show, and it makes right. sense, and it doesn't feel forced. And like I say, is is the one deal about this that if you didn't tell me otherwise, and I didn't see the the updates in technology, mm-hmm. I would have said this is like straight out of the '80s. Sure, which, which it, it, it sounds like it. Yeah, like it just has that feel to it, but it's so well done. And it's modern enough that you don't feel like you're watching something from a history channel. Right. That's one thing I, I just cannot stress enough. They really capture the essence of the JSA. Because even now, the JSA is eventually coming back to DC Comics. Oh, yeah. But they've had recent runs over the past years. So you can still have that classic feel to it and make it modern. The show is representing that so much to the letter. I can't stress it enough. Mm-hmm. But to get back with the review, though, the show, 
So you see that they're at the high school open ceremony, open door day, or open house, whatever it is. Yeah. You want to define it as. And you see that during this entire time, Brainwave is searching that crowd mm. to find Stargirl, which he eventually does. And he basically says, if you don't give me the cosmic staff, I'm going to kill your mother. Oh, I'm going to make it look like a stroke. And this is like when it finally sinks in that, oh, crap, I'm in over my head. A little bit. And to her credit, because normally at this time, what does the the hero do here? Uh, panics and runs. Yes, and they don't tell anybody. Of course. She goes and she does tell Pat. She says, what happens? Okay. And Pat, to his credit, says, okay, get your mom, get out of here. We're going to handle this. Mm-hmm. And at this point, he says, okay, I got to go defend the family. And he actually has his final send-off with Courtney, and he says, you stay here, you protect your mom. If I'm not back in the morning, you get everybody out of here, and you never look back. So you're saying he didn't go with the Ace Ventura line, if I'm not back in five minutes, wait five more? Right. Okay. No, he basically— Usually not a good sign. He basically said he knew he was outclassed, and he was like, listen, I'm going to buy time. If I I can't stop him— you're going to have to be the one that takes over the family and protects them. Which like Gandalf in Lord of the Rings, like, hey, this is beyond any of you. Get out of here. Exactly. Which I was like, when have we seen this before? Yeah. We really haven't. In, in a comic book show, not often. Yeah. Like, I'm like, like it happens in the comics almost all the time. Yeah, in the comics it does, but not for most of the comic shows. You, you don't see that. And I'm like, no. okay, this is actually making sense. This is a very smart writing. I'm down with it. Okay. So as he goes to fight Brainwave and has a standoff, Brainwave is sitting there going, you're not Starman, you're not Stargirl, you are Stripe, okay. And then he starts having this face-off with him, which you see, mm-hmm. which I, I do love for the action sequences, you really see how intricate the movements are with the with the Stripe's armor. Okay. And he's throwing cars, and he finally gets the, the fist to work and is coming at him, and you see how Brainwave easily defeats him. Mm-hmm. And basically pins him down between two cars, and he and at this point you know that Pat's in over his head, but he's like, "What am I going to do?" And all of a sudden, coming out from the sky in her costume is Stargirl. All who, right, who blasts Brainwave and announces, "I'm Stargirl." They have their moment where they're battling, and it is this kind of very cool sequence where Brainwave is definitely going blow for blow with Stargirl, pins her down with like a. Um, a, a car bumper. Okay. So, because he basically has, like, for his powers, like, almost like telekinesis. Sure, sure. Telepathy. And he's just saying, I'm going to take my time killing you. You you should never picked up the legacy if this is your father. So now they're kind of teasing still. Because dragging things out like that has always worked well for villains. Right. But as he's given this, Stripes activates the car lights on his armor. Because right. remember, it is cars. It's a car yeah. that's turned. It's like a Transformer suit. Yeah. Blinds him, and then the staff winds up doing the Tesseract touch, I'm going to call it. You remember sure. how Loki would do that yeah, in, yeah. in Avengers and you'd like yeah. completely possess people? Yeah. In this one, they basically fry his brain, like give him a, a basically a coma. Like sure. Just dream. You see this big energy sure. burst, and, and all of a sudden they play it off that, hmm. okay, they've now basically left him as a vegetable. Oh, wow. And it's unintentional, and, and Courtney's, like, coming to deal with it because he's now in the hospital. His son comes to check on him, and you can see there's gonna, there's probably going to be something going on there. Yeah. Because his son, after he's been disgraced, 
and feels that he needs to live up to his father's expectation, you have the sense that somewhere he's coming back down the road. Like, Probably. Like to a lesser degree in Norman and Harry Osborn. Uh, okay. I'm assuming, because as far as we know, the son does not have powers yet. He's been tested before, hasn't seen yet. Well, not even Harry Osborn at the start. Right, but obviously comics and reasons, yeah. and stay tuned for that. So after this, though, you see that Courtney and Pat are having a conversation about what happened, and Pat's telling her, don't feel bad about this. You didn't do anything wrong. This is what happens in this business, so to speak. Yeah. And at this point, he's like, I'm the one who failed. I'm the one who screwed up. And she's like, no, no, you didn't. We won. We beat him. And says, if I'm going to be Stargirl, you're going to be my sidekick. Mm-hmm. And we're getting rid of the name Stripesy because I will be honest. It's kind of lame. It is kind of lame, but you got to remember at that time period yeah. with, with, yeah. The, with the Golden Age, I yeah. mean, that's kind of stuff. So yeah. she decides to give him an acronym for Stripe. Okay. I forget exactly what it is okay. because it was like a pat enhancement. Like it was just this, it's something thrown together by a, by a teenager. So now they've said, okay, what's next? And we'll have to go from there. The ending of this show, though, I, I have to fully applaud. I'm a big Killers fan. Mm-hmm. So all of a sudden you hear the music and the song The Man Plays. And you see that somebody shows up, goes through an office building. You're seeing him go through a hallway. You see him knock on a door. And he's like, you ready, big fella? Mm-hmm. He goes and he knocks on Solomon Grundy's door. Oh, so boy. apparently he's been underground, locked up for Looks years. Because like, we're tired of messing around in episode three. We're going to bring in the big guns. Yes. And at this stage, too, you see that he's walking through. He's meeting up with another associate of the Injustice Society. And lo and behold, we have Neil Jackson playing Icicle, who is the head of the Injustice Society, mm. and basically has said, well, I killed one star man before. I guess I'm going to have to do it again. Mm-hmm. Fade to black. Loved it. That's, uh, that sounds awesome. Uh, like I say, I don't think that they realize how well this is going to come across, and especially like for me, and I, I, I can't stress this enough, mm. I never really thought that they'd be able to match this on screen to paper, or from paper to screen. Sure, sure. But they're pulling it off flawlessly. And I think that this show is a surprise hit. I mean, granted, it's two episodes in. I'm not ready to crown it just yet. Right, right. But they are tying in enough that you have me intrigued. And I don't feel like I'm watching a – like, at times I feel like I'm watching a teen show, which I I usually tune out. But I understand why you're doing it because, hey, it's a kid in high school. you got to kind of do that. And when they start involving the hometown involved – involvement, rather, like, that – it gets a little convoluted. For me, like I, I just go, okay, small town America. Okay, you can see that Barbara, played by Amy Smart, she's trying to argue a point with her boss, and you can see it's failing. And, mm-hmm. and you can see like how nobody in the town, like everybody in town, has like a secret agenda, which I really think helps this show. And I really think yeah. it kind of gives an extra dimension. And just, yeah, you see what's going on with the Injustice Society. Like I said, that final scene with Icicle finally shows up mm. and is like, well, this is what we're going to have to do. So they're finally setting up when the resurgence of the Injustice Society happens. So we're going to get a little background of what happened with the JSA. Mm-hmm. And I, I, we already know from promotional art, you're going to see the resurgence of the JSA in this. Right. So Injustice Society versus JSA Part 2 is coming. And they can take their time with a slow build. I don't mind it. But I, like I say, two episodes in, I'm blown away of how good right. this show is. I, I really didn't think... 
I didn't really know what to expect, I'll be honest. Cause, sure. Because Stargirl has never been, like, a strong character for me for a lead. Right. And has always been just a member of the JSA, in my opinion. But I am just blown away at the job that they're doing on the show. Like I say, Bassinger has been crushing it as Courtney Whitmore. And Luke Wilson, I, I can't stress enough. Like, I didn't think he would take this role that serious. Because uh-huh. I, I think there was elements of the first <clears throat> episode. I, I had old school vibes. Too, sure. When he was in that movie. And it's such a classic, too. That now it's like he's really playing that I'm trying to be a stepdad. I'm trying to be a, a, a family leader. But yet I have my mission and I need to do this. And you see how the tug is going back and forth, and they're and they're teetering around where he's not coming out of the gate being Iron Man. Mm-hmm. You know, he's definitely cutting his teeth. And I am just like I say, I can't stress of how blown away I am about this show. I, I really can't. It's two episodes in, I'm hooked on it. So I'm definitely making this a must watch. And this is definitely filling up my CW void of DC shows. Right. And another thing I forgot to mention, Pad, uh-huh. they were dropping a lot of Easter eggs for the JSA in the beginning of the show. Makes sense. Oh yeah, they were name dropping some names. I don't really want to spoil too much, but the expectations now are a little raised for the show. Okay. But ODPH Society, let me know what you think of the show. Have you been watching Stargirl? Have you given it a shot? And if not, why? Definitely have this conversation on social media. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. I'm Nick. I'm Justin. And I'm Brian. We are the Epic Film Guys. We want to let you know that the fourth annual live stream for The Cure is only a couple weeks away. Every single dollar raised goes to the Cancer Research Institute to help us fight for a future immune to cancer. And once again, donations will be doubled. Join us May 27th through the 31st for 48 hours of content from creators around the world. Please help us spread the word so we can smash our goal of $10,000. Please visit www.livestreamforthecure.com to make an early donation and to learn more about the event. Together, we can make a difference. Hi, this is Jimmy Gazdick from Crimson Brethren and Floodlands, and you're listening to ODPH. Coming back for segment number two on this edition of the ODPH podcast. And today, as we're recording, is the premiere date for HBO Max. I'll say the streaming wars just got a little bit bigger. Yes, they did. This has been the long-awaited debut from Warner Media of their streaming service, which uh-huh. has been touted to have so much footage we can't even keep track of the libraries yeah the friends library has been added if you're into that show if you're to dc comics there's a lot of dc content here as well and future shows coming yeah a lot of dc comment content uh fresh prince of bel-air is all there. there's a lot of stuff there yeah we've been talking about the hype of it and we are both subscribers to this, but mm-hmm. Pat has actually spent the day searching it out. And yeah. Again, he wants to give a little walkthrough if you're just checking out the service. So, Pat, take it away. Yeah, so, of course, as Ken mentioned, HBO Max is the title of the new streaming service that has arguably been in the works from the folks at Warner Media for the better part of a decade. Uh, essentially, what it is is that Warner Media has taken uh, the companies that it owns, such as HBO, DC Comics, Sesame Workshop, Turner Classic Movies, Studio Ghibli, uh, Cartoon Network, Adult Swim, Crunchyroll, Looney Tunes, uh, TNT, TBS, True TV, CNN, uh, Rooster Teeth, a whole bunch of stuff is going to be on this service. And it was very highly anticipated because they announced it and they announced all, you know, uh, some of the Warner Brothers movies that were going to be there, and it's an impressive list, and some of the television shows that were going to be there, you know, all every season of South Park. Yeah. You know, every see, you know, all the episodes of Friends that you can watch for like the fifth time. 
you know, and, and all the Fresh Prince of Bel Air and just all this other stuff that, you know, and all the HBO programming you're used to is there. And it was a lot of hype behind it because everyone's like, oh, it's a pretty good deal. You know, $15 a month and you get this huge library with all these movies and all these television shows, which I mean, I know that, you know, it's about the same price for Netflix, depending on where your your streaming tier package is. Uh, it's a lot. And I know people's biggest complaints, at least over the last couple of years, has been with Netflix is there's nothing to watch. Yeah, that's something that was really kind of puzzling to see how HBO Max was going to counter that. Mm-hmm. They definitely loaded up the first day lineup yeah. with stuff that we have already seen. Mm-hmm. So it's not exactly like they're coming out with a Mandalorian type show to yeah. kick the doors in. Yeah, I mean, they've got some original programming out the gate, but it, there's nothing at least on the level of a Mandalorian jumping out at you. Uh, just a couple of things worth mentioning that are uh, on there day one. Uh, you've got an original series titled Love Life, uh, which stars Anna Kendrick in a fresh take on a romantic comedy anthology series about the journey from first love to lasting love and how the people were with along the way. Uh, make us into who we are when we finally end up with someone forever. So you've got that going on. Another one, you've you've got a, a show called Trigonometry uh, uh, made in conjunction with the folks over at the BBC, uh, where that is a, a London couple struggling with an expensive apartment agree to take on a roommate. Uh, another one you've got in conjunction with the BBC is titled Ghosts, uh, where it's about a group of spirits restlessly squabble in an abandoned country home. Uh, there's some other ones on. There's some other ones on there. Uh, you know, Craftopia, which is like a kid crafting competition type show. Uh, you've got the Not Too Late Show with Elmo, where, t- where it's essentially Jimmy Fallon, mm. but with Elmo, and it's not too late. So you know, kid friendly, and it's you know skewing towards the younger audience. You've got uh, some new Looney Tunes cartoons uh, done from the folks uh, over there. So, but and that's kind of really. There's some other ones there, but it's really nothing worth mentioning. But like you said, so there's some stuff there, but it's not anything like an. Oh my god, you have to get it because of this new series. No, but there is a lot of hype of what's coming down the road too. Mm-hmm. So I mean, that's the one thing that for me I'm excited about. Yeah. And plus, being an HBO subscriber, I get HBO Max with it. So mm-hmm. this is not like I'm deciding to give another extra fifteen bucks a month, right? Because obviously. For me to do that, I want to really have some new stuff to see. I mean, mm-hmm. I do like seeing old classics. I mean, you can only watch so much Big Bang Theory. Right. But you can also watch that in syndication. And obviously, right. to catch up on Game of Thrones and you know whatever you feel about that, mm-hmm. I don't mind rewatching that on yeah. times. Yeah. And especially the one thing that you were pointing out to me, too, the Harry Potter lineup is yeah. right there. So yeah. break that down a little yeah. bit. Yeah, so of course, Warner Brothers uh, from 2001 to 2011 released eight Harry Potter films based on the very popular uh, book series of the same name by J.K. Rowling. Uh, I didn't even consider when this was coming out that oh that these might be on here because and I wasn't entirely sure just because I know NBC Universal has the broadcast rights that's why in the states you see them on uh, networks such as USA Sci-Fi almost every other weekend mm. you know so I wasn't quite sure how this was going to work out and I know there was an article yesterday as we record that was like you know one of the heads over at HBO Max was saying. Where we want to make it a priority to put the Harry Potter films on HBO Max. Because to my knowledge, and please somebody correct me if I'm wrong, I don't think they've ever been on all on one streaming service at the same time. I know with HBO Go and HBO Now, depending on which one was on in rotation at one point, or like I know at one point for last year for a couple of months, you could go to HBO Go or HBO Now and find uh, the fifth movie on there just mm-hmm. because that was on, that was on TV uh, on the HBO channels. But at no point were all of the Harry Potter films on streaming. They somehow at the like the eleventh hour landed the deal, and all eight Harry Potter films are on HBO Max. Yeah, I mean that's a huge feather in their cap. Yeah. So 
going in first day, they don't have a lot of new stuff as we talked about. They do have a couple shows depending on what you're feeling. Yeah. But overall, it's just pretty much a lot of what we've seen under the Warder Media brand. Yeah, and I will say one of the good things, because I know a lot of people's complaint with Disney Plus when that came out was the service was just crashing and you couldn't get anywhere. Uh, the congr- uh, you know, kudos to the folks over at Warner Media or whoever in charge of this. I, for the time I was using, because I was using it a good portion of the day, I had no, almost no issues. There was one instance where I was watching a show at home on my television and it buffered for just a second. But my internet's been doing that the last couple of weeks with everything going on and everyone at home a lot more. Yeah, often. I think it's been a normal. Yeah, so, but haven't had any issues where I go in to pick a TV series like, you know, Band of Brothers or The Pacific or something like that. And, like, it loads the show title and the information, but there's no episodes like what happened with Disney+. Plus. So it's been very, you know, uh, well streaming. And I would say the interface looks like it's pretty easy to use. Yeah, if you're familiar with HBO Go or even probably HBO Now, it's it's very familiar from like the menu to uh, the interface when you're streaming something. It's it's almost copied verbatim from how HBO stuff is. And that's easy to follow too. Yeah, I, I find that their menus are very easy to use. Mm-hmm. So especially how they have everything categorized. The one thing though that was jumping at me being a DC fan though mm-hmm. is there is some DC films on. Yeah. There's a couple shows. Yeah, so if you jump, the nice thing if you do when you sign on, uh, no matter what, well, there are some devices not on there. We'll get to that in a minute. Yeah. Um, you go on there, and you can you can sort out the stuff by categories or even you know TV series, movies, originals, what have you. You can go and sort it by brands. And you can sort it, you know, you can sort it by if you just want to see the DC stuff, you can sort it by DC stuff. Uh, some of the movies they have on there as we record are Aquaman, Batman 89, Batman Forever, Batman Returns, Batman and Robin, uh, Batman vs. Superman, Dawn of Justice, Catwoman, the Halle Berry film. Hey. Uh, yeah, exactly. Uh, Ryan Reynolds, Green Lantern, uh, the Joaquin Phoenix Joker film, okay. uh, Jonah Hex from, I want to say it was like, what, 2004, 2005? Oh, wow. Something yeah, like that's yeah, on there. The Josh Brolin film, right? Yep. Uh, Justice League, uh, Normal is on there, and we should note a little, you know, asterisk, uh, you know, correction from last week. Snyder Cut is not on there day one. That is not coming until 2021, uh, but the, th- the theatrical version of Justice League is on there. Uh, you've got Shazam on there, Steel, uh, the film I believe on is on there. Suicide Squad, uh, Teen, Teen Titans Go is on there. You got a couple of couple, not many of the animated films is on there, and then you've got Wonder Woman uh, from a couple of years ago on there right now. So noticeably lacking in that lineup uh, is all of the Christopher Nolan films, mm-hmm. uh, all of the Christopher Reeve Superman films, uh, the Brandon Ralph Superman film. Uh, I Lord knows I'm probably missing a few. It looked like a Batman the uh, Animated Series was missing. Batman the Animated Series is not there. Superman the Animated Series is not there. Justice League is not the Animated Series is not there. Justice League uh, Unlimited the Animated Series is not there. Uh, Man of Steel is not there. Birds of Prey is not there. You know, there's some and I and now I canceled my subscription to DC Universe a while ago because I wasn't getting much use out of it. They might be over there. But I, it's, I know there are some people out there, because I've been looking at comment sections on posts on social media, there's a lot of confused people where they might not know DC Universe is a thing, and there's no advertising, at least cause I, at least that I've seen, because I haven't gone into any of the DC shows or movies and watched anything yet, that says, hey, if you want to see more DC content, go check out DC Universe. Right, because one thing that they've been really 
tiptoeing around and they really haven't gone out and really made it well known is what the future is going to be for the DC universe. Mm-hmm. We were kind of speculating a couple episodes back about what it's going to be and like where do we think it's going to go. Yeah. We don't really have a, a clear cut this is where they're going just yet. Mm-hmm. I figured they would have a link in there to explain where everything right. is. Yeah, so I mean notice we like we mentioned and also some of the other DC universe stuff is isn't there. Titans isn't there. Uh Young Justice, Swamp Thing, the Harley Quinn aren't there. Uh you got some of the anim- like I said, some of the animated movies aren't there. Uh you got other DC shows aren't there. None of the arrow outside of Batwoman, uh none of the other Arrowverse stuff is there. Now I realize it's still on Netflix, but you figured they'd have it on there. Uh, Smallville is not on there. Now, I know all 10 seasons are on uh, Hulu, and they've got the streaming rights to it. How long? I don't know, but Smallville's not on there. Uh, Batman 66 with Adam West is not on there. Uh, you've also got some things such as... But, 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 excuse me. Uh, Superboy. you know, you got some of the other DC shows aren't on, that aren't on there. Gotham's not on there. Uh, Krypton's not on there. Uh, Pennyworth is not on there, but... Uh, but God, then again, Gotham and uh, Pennyworth, or excuse me, Gotham is streaming on Hulu, and Pennyworth is exclusive to Epic, so that kind of makes sense. That would make sense. Yeah, but there, but there's still some stuff on there that, like, okay, Batman sixty six. I don't haven't seen those anywhere on TV since TV Land back in the nineties. Mm-hmm. Like, you got to figure they got the right side. It's just it maybe, and maybe they're up converting it in some fashion. Who knows? But it's it's just some of the stuff missing from DC is very interesting day one. Yeah, the one thing I'm going through the DC Universe app right now is we were talking, and I do find Superman the movie from mm-hmm. Christopher Reed that's on there. I uh, have found some of the Batman animated series because I know that was the big selling point of the DCU right. when it came out. I think right now that HBO want to give a little taste of what's going on and then really decide what is the future going to be. Because I know that since we last recorded, DC Universe did announce that they're doing a rewards program, kind of like how Marvel Insider does. Mm -hmm. That the more you watch, the more you can win stuff. And I think if you're going to start doing that and really make a big push about it, because they did really make a push, Mm -hmm. that maybe they're going to be sticking around and they're not going to be fully converting to a digital comic format. Right. But it's still too early to say, and plus, I think that they have to figure out, okay, how long is everything signed over to DC Universe mm-hmm. that we can shift it over to HBO Max? Because sure. the only show that we know right now that is getting double duty is Doom Patrol. Right. That That is going to be the one featured on both DC Universe and HBO Max. Right. So after that, I mean, I think it's kind of wide open what they're trying to do, but I am kind of surprised at the lack of certain properties mm-hmm. on HBO Max. Now, like I say... It could be just a matter of contracts are running out, depending yeah. on how they want to do it. But you do bring up a good point that if you were going to hype this up, wouldn't you have a link for the DC universe? Mm-hmm. Yeah, or even just like a, a thing there mentioning, hey, want more DC content? Head over to DCUniverse.com. Yeah, that would have made a lot more sense yeah. to do. Yeah. And I'm surprised at it, but it could be a, f- a future telling point of where the future of the shows are going to yeah. be. Because after we've only heard a little bit about Titan Season 3, mm-hmm. that that's getting done, Doom Patrol has been greenlit, but then again, that's a split product. Mm-hmm. So anything after that yeah. is really up in the air. And then Stargirl just came out. Mm-hmm. I have not heard anything of an early renewal. And right. then I then again, how does that work? Mm-hmm. Does that mean what if CW wants to renew it, but yeah. DC Universe doesn't? Yeah. Y- you know, it's... You walk on a fine line, but after yeah. that, for original programming, I have not heard anything. No, there's really not, and there's not even anything like a teasing, like, oh, hey, coming soon. 
with like a photo or something, which is interesting. Right. Yeah, you figure that you get something. Yeah, I mean, there's uh, switching away from DC. There's there's a lot on there. You know, you've got the entire uh, series of Big Bang theories on there. Rick and Morty's on there. Impractical Jokers are on there. Uh, Doctor Who is on there. You know, eleven seasons of Doctor Who. Uh, the Boondocks, the animated series from uh, Adult Swim from a, you know a couple years ago, a few mm-hmm. years ago, is on there. You know, Adventure Time is on there. You've got you know uh, last week tonight with John Oliver. You know, so all the uh, HBO stuff is on there. The OC, you know, from way back in the day is, oh, is on there. You know, and there's some pretty outside the DC stuff. There's some pretty good movies on there too. I mean, it's a big, big uh, list of movies they got on there. Besides the DC stuff, It Chapter Two is available on there. You got the Downton Abbey movies on there. The Meg, starring mm. Jason Statham, is on there. Stuber with uh, uh, Dave Batista is on there. You know, Hangover Part Two, Castaway, Contagion, you know, the, you, Casablanca. There's a lot of classic movies on there. And, the, and that was one of the surprising things. When I was just kind of looking through it this morning when I woke up. They've got a lot of Charlie Chaplin movies on there, which admittedly, I was like, huh, that's interesting. Well, I think that they went through their entire lineup of properties and said, mm-hmm. okay, you, the consumer, what would appeal to you? Yeah. And you have to think for entire household. Yeah. You have to figure that. This is going to be something that they really want to try capturing as many viewers as they can. Because let's face it, mm-hmm. we're now living in a day and age where the streaming services are the new cable networks. Yeah. And everybody is fighting for your attention. Yeah. So this being said, what is going to make you want to turn on this service? Mm-hmm. And for certain fans of classic films, classic TV, yeah. the Chaplin lineup is going to be right up their alley. Oh, yeah. There's also a lot of the older Godzilla movies on there, too. Right. So they're reaching out as wide of a net to grab people as they can. Mm-hmm. It's just a matter of coming out the gate. Is, yeah. is this the wow factor we've been waiting for? Or is yeah. this something that we're going, eh, I don't know. Mm-hmm. So what do you feel, Pat? Uh, it's it's an, it's an interesting lineup. I mean, you go through, and I was just like I was just going through this morning. They've got a lot. I mean, Cartoon Network's got a fairly decent st- amount, but it's not everything like i was just remembering shows that i remembered cartoons i remember watching as a kid growing up that you know courage the cowardly dog and and some of the other stuff i remember were on cartoon network that i go in there and look for they're not there now whatever the reason is i don't know it's just hey it's not there you know but they it's it's cool they do have some of the cartoon network shows you're familiar with they got a lot of the older cartoons from like the hannah Hanna barbera era you know the 60s and what have you so like scooby-doo where are you's on there flintstones jetsons you know, Yogi Bear's on there. There's some of the older stuff that's not in there, maybe because it's getting upconverted because Lord knows it probably hasn't been ever. Mm-hmm. You know, but it's it's still a fairly decent lineup. They got a lot of stuff from Adult Swim. Uh, I've there, There's not a, as much there from Crunchyroll as I thought there would be. You know, I've, I've perused Crunchyroll every now and then just to see what they got. There's a lot on there if you go to Crunchyroll itself, but in terms of this stuff here, it's a sh- very short list, it feels like. You well, know, go ahead. No, I just wonder if they're coming slow out of the gate because they want to really do a big drop this mm, summer. Maybe. Like, I'm just thinking if they're coming out and usually it's, it's like that new toy phase. Mm-hmm. Like, everybody's going to jump on. Everybody's going to really take a look at it. And I don't think for certain studios per se, mm-hmm. they don't want to get overshadowed. Yeah. Like, it's going to get lost in the shuffle. Yeah. Which maybe is why we don't have as much new content out maybe. there. But, it, but it's a double-edged maybe. sword because... You have to entice people to watch. Yeah. So how do you justify that? Yeah. No, I mean, and then the Sesame Workshop, holy crap, there's a lot. I, I admittedly haven't watched any Sesame Street in multiple decades. Yeah. But there's a lot. So, like, if you got kids and your kids are stuck at home and they're driving you nuts a little bit, there's enough Sesame Street on there to keep them occupied till they're driving. 
Yeah, it, no, it's a little frightening. It, it's absolutely crazy watching this. So yeah, so if, if you definitely have kids that are into Sesame Street, you are going to be very yeah. thankful for this service. I'm saying the one that's the one. One of the things I was, I at least was most excited for was they said they're going to have Looney Tunes on there, and they're going to have all the classic car, Looney Tunes cartoons on there. And I love. I grew up watching those cartoons. Obviously, they were reruns when I was growing up, but. It, I was still love to see them. So when I was scrolling through, I'm like, oh, cool, Looney Tunes. I, you know, I was interested to see how they sorted it. They've got it by season. There's currently 31 seasons available under the Looney Tunes banner they have for the Looney Tunes old show on HBO Max. The first episode is titled Smile, Darnia, Smile. And it's two characters who I'm, show, I'm showing Ken the picture. They look like Mickey, a uh, ripoff of Mickey and Minnie Mouse. Yeah. And it's from 1931 and it's seven minutes. So they're going deep in the library that I didn't even know existed. Yeah, that's a little crazy. Yeah, it, it was very cool to see. But, I mean, you jump ahead to some of the later. See, You see some of the, if you grew up watching Looney Tunes back in the day, you, you grew up seeing some of the stuff you're familiar with. You know, the the uh, Bugs Bunny Superman episode, the, the Bugs Bunny baseball episode. It's, it's, just, it's all the classic episodes you're familiar with. So there's really a lot. It's, it's really cool to see. Yeah, it's definitely really interesting if you really want to go deep diving into the history of Warner Brothers animation. Mm-hmm. I mean, they got so much up there mm-hmm. that, you know, it's just absolutely wild to see. Yeah, that was a good. Well, now we got to talk about the bad. Okay. Yeah. Um, so as we record, uh, the service is available on PlayStation and Xbox, I believe. Mm-hmm. Uh, available on mobile devices. Available on some smart TVs. Available on obviously your laptop, your uh, uh, your home PC, your phone, your tablets. Currently not available on Roku or Amazon Fire Stick streaming devices. Apparently, a deal didn't get done. I'm sure one will get done because those are two of, if not the two biggest streaming devices on the planet mm-hmm. right now. I myself own a Roku, um, so to not have that on ability to watch this on my Roku is that's a drop ball. Yeah, that doesn't make sense that they wouldn't get the entire market done. Yeah, you would figure they want to get their name out everywhere. Yeah, because that's going to turn off. I mean, how many mm-hmm. viewers right now? Because not everybody likes to watch from their laptop. No, right? and not everybody likes to watch stuff on their phone or or from their gaming system. Yeah, it's just a some li- people don't have a gaming system. Right, so it's a little kind of wild to see. Yeah. So that being said, I mean, you'd have to figure that they'll get it out sooner than later. But then again, they also had the same problem when they launched DC Universe. I mean, mm-hmm. how long did it take for them to get on PlayStation? Oh God, it was like a year. Yeah, I mean, it was it, like a, it was something crazy. But that's just the thing. It's it's and having not been behind the scenes for any of this, it's just confusing to me. Where like you had something like a Disney Plus, where day one they were on everything, like short of some uh, smart TVs, mm. they were on everything. You know, it's just it's just surprising. It's it's very surprising. Uh, one of the other uh, drawbacks I would say is there is currently nothing on there in 4K or Ultra HD. Interesting. So, and I'm not talking like with when Disney Plus launched, you got all the Star Wars movies were in 4K, all the Marvel movies were in 4K. You know, and some of the other stuff was going to get up up converted to 4K, but no, it's like even movies such like It Chapter Two or Shazam or stuff that you can go online and buy or stream from like the Apple uh, Apple store in 4k mm. is not available on the service in 4k. And I know that's turning a lot of people off that, you know, you've got Netflix, which is you're paying depending on your tier, you could be paying somewhere up, upwards of $15 and getting 4k ultra HD content. 
why would I pay, you know, all on top of however many hundreds of dollars for a 4K TV? Because I would imagine a lot of people have one now. You know, why would I pay fifty, you know, a couple hundred dollars for a 4K TV and then shovel out fifteen bucks a month if you don't get it for free for HBO Max and then not get stuff in 4K like I want it? Yeah, that's a really puzzling thing to do. Yeah, especially. They're in a very digitally enhanced era where mm-hmm. you can make that happen very, very quickly. Yeah. I'm, I'm sure it'll, the stuff will get changed over to 4K in time, but it's just it's very surprising that as much as you're hyping and having all this stuff on there that like you have nothing in 4K. Yeah. I, I would understand it if it's something like an older Warner Brothers movie from like the early 2000s when 4K wasn't a thing, hasn't ever been re-released, nobody's ever really given it any thought. And hey, it's it's gonna be on it's on there, but we're gonna eventually up convert it to 4K. That I would understand. Yeah, so, you know something like that. You know, I I get, but having something that like it Chapter Two, which came out in 2019, filmed filmed in whatever it was filmed in, but came out and you can buy it in 4K. Not it's just weird. It's definitely weird, and it definitely needs a little more explanation. Mm-hmm. And maybe we'll get some down the road. I don't know. It's just kind of the vibe I'm getting from this is. They didn't come out the gates swinging. No. They came out with a good product yeah. overall. Like, yeah. I mean, everything I've seen that we were watching as we were recording here, they, it does move very quickly. It's easy to navigate. They yeah. do have a lot of content on yeah. there. But you'd figure to match up with the Disney Pluses mm-hmm. and the Netflix mm-hmm. and the Apple TVs and the Amazons, they'd be more pro to have it on every single platform, make it very accessible for yeah. everyone to jump on. Unless they're just saying, well, you have HBO now. This will tide you over. We're still working through it. But to come out swinging with a beta version, as it kind of feels like. It kind of feels like that because, okay, it's a big, like you said, it's a big feather in their cap to have all eight Harry Potter films on there. Because, like I said, to my recollection, they've never all been in one place. Right. But off the top of my head, Christ, those have been in 4K for like 10 years. Yeah. You've You've been able to get them in 4K for 10 years. Like. It shouldn't be. It shouldn't be that hard, you know. Another. I know another thing. People are kind of like not exactly griping with, but if they're kind of in, in complaining a little bit, and and for me, it's a little bit. It's kind of ancillary. It's. Eh, I'd like them to ha- like them to have this, but it's not there, so I'm not exactly like up in arms about it. Any film that uh, is on this service, like a Hobbit trilogy, like a Lord of the Rings trilogy, like some of the DC films, uh, if they came out with an extended edition or a director's cut. Uh, that is not on the service. So mm. none of the Lord of the Rings extended editions, which if anyone's ever seen those, they know they are a lot better than the theatrical versions. Theatrical versions are fine. Extended Once you watch extended editions, they're a thousand times better. Yeah, but how many extra hours is that? Uh, Return of the Kings, four and a half hours. Mm. So to those people who were complaining, Endgame was too long. Well, you've never clearly watched Return of the King extended edition. It's like right. four and a half hours. But you've also got you know Batman v Superman extended cuts not there. The extended cut of Suicide Squad's not there. It's, maybe they'll add it later, but I know a lot of people are like, oh, that's interesting that you just don't have those there. Yeah, it definitely is a little interesting. And I know, obviously, with the Snyder Cut coming, I think mm-hmm. there'll be something that might get fixed down the road. Probably. Because we do know the regular Justice League, like we talked about on the, earlier in the segment, is on there. Yep. But the Snyder Cut is not there. Nope. 2021 is when it's going to happen. 2021, uh, from what I've read, it, it's pretty much post-production stuff. I know there's a lot of rumors going around saying, oh, they got to do reshoots. they got to do reshoots. That is literally physically and even, even, I'll even say metaphorically, impossible for them to do because all of the main actors, Henry Cavill, Gal Gadot, Ben Affleck, Ezra Miller, 
you know, the main cast there are literally tied up for the next year. Mm. You've got Henry Cavill filming, filming his own stuff. Uh, I believe he's working on, was working on Witcher season two uh, before the, everything got shut down. Gal Gadot was in the middle of filming her film with uh, Ryan Reynolds and Dwayne Johnson for Netflix. Okay. That got shut down. Ezra Miller uh, it was about to start filming one, if not two, uh, Fantastic Beasts, the Harry Potter spinoff films, and then go film Flash 2. Uh, uh, what's his uh, name? Uh, Jason Momoa had, was filming something and then had Aquaman to go work on. So, like, it's literally impossible for them to get any of those. Ag- and plus the, plus the thing of it is, is, it, is ADR is easy. ADR is one thing. For them to bring them in for reshoots, they'd have to pay them their base salary again. Which would put yeah. which would put the twenty to thirty million as reported by Hollywood Reporter would put that twenty to thirty million in a low ballpark. Which the twenty it's twenty to thirty million. You are not paying twenty to thirty million to get those actors to come in for reshoots. Yeah, it's just not feasible to do no. it, and especially now. I mean, this is going to be uncharted water. Like how well this does, and I know that we've been hearing more about director's cuts getting released. David Ayer's. Um, Suicide Squad said it. Yeah, uh, David. Of course, everyone brought up Suicide Squad and all that. David Ayer, the director of Suicide Squad, said his director's cut is essentially done and wouldn't take that much to do. Yeah. So on the I'm, flip side, Josh Trank said there's no director's cut for Fantastic Four. Thank. So don't ask. Yeah, I I'm completely fine with that. Yeah. I that's all we'll have to say about that. Let's, yeah. keep, let's keep some positive vibes on the show. Yeah. So overall, though, so you've kind of dipped in it. Mm-hmm. We've gone through a little bit. If you are now debating. Do you sign up today? Would you not? What is your final official ODPH verdict? Uh, I would wait. Okay. Just, if you get it for free, if through your cable provider or however you're going to get it for free, jump in there. If like if you're not if you're already paying for HBO and all you got to do for your cable provider and all you got to do is sign in with your cable sign in, jump in. You know, jump in, check it out, check out some of the stuff that's on there, check out some of the movies that are on there. But if you're if you're somebody who you know has got to shovel out the fifteen extra dollars, mm-hmm. wait. Just because the movie selection is great, but unless you, but unless it's something you're really itching to see, you know you can you, you can hold off. I would say. And in terms of you know the original programming, it's there. It's it's eh, you know, unless you have a kid you know that really wants to see some of the Sesame Street stuff and some of the cartoon stuff and all that, you know, hold off. You know, I give it six months or however long let them start building stuff in let them start bringing stuff in add more to it because i know that they had a pinned tweet on their twitter account uh yesterday that they've since changed where it was uh three screenshots it was a long list of stuff that's getting added june 1st so give it some time give it a couple of months you know and then jump and then if you know somebody who's got it ask them if you can look at the lineup and see what they got and make a judgment from there but i would say for right now if you if you got to shovel out the extra fifteen dollars, wait. Right now they have seven free days, and then they'll start charging fourteen a month, mm-hmm. according to HBOMax.com. So on that note, hit us up on that hashtag hashtag ODPH. If you've checked out HBO Max, let us know what you think of it. If you're on the fence about it, let us know why. And if you're really really amped up for all the DC content that's eventually coming, let us know what show you're looking forward to. I'm personally waiting for Green Lantern. I cannot wait to see this show come on HBO Max. I've heard it's got a movie budget. Yeah. I am super stoked to see what they're going to do with this. Hopefully a lot better than the Ronald Reynolds version that allegedly exists. I don't know. I kind of blocked that out. Hit us up on that hashtag. Let us know what you think. HBO Max. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Okay. It's time to record the promo. What? Promo. The what? The promo. We should record a promo. I don't have the body for porno. No. A promo. Oh, guys. We should, uh... 
We should record a pro uh, promo. Oh, that's a great idea. Hey, we're three hours later. I'm Matt. I'm Alex. And I'm Mike. We started this podcast because there's too much content in the world and finding something worth your time could be a hassle. That's where we step in. Every week we listen, watch, or play something for up to three hours, and then we come back together to talk about it and see if it's possibly worth your time. Follow us on Twitter at the number three HRS underscore later and our Facebook and Instagram number three HRS later. And please give us a review on Podchaser and iTunes. And we have a link tree link as well with everything else. Uh, link tr period ee or slash three hours later. Hey, that was a great idea, Mike. I hate you both. Hi, this is Tyler from Second Suitor, and you're listening to the ODPH Podcast. I want you to get it. I want you to understand. I'm doing the best I can, but not as good as I want to be. I just want to get it. I just want to comprehend. Coming back for another segment on this edition of the ODPH Podcast and happy Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Day. Yes. Finally, we get the swan song of Phil Coulson and company. Season 7 is about to kick off tonight as we are recording. Hashtag Dem Agents, hashtag Coulson Lives, part like three. Yes. I forget what we're up to. We are definitely on a, a fantastic journey at spawning out of the Avengers movie mm -hmm. from way back when it feels like way back when at early. this point yeah it does yes but phil colson who definitely stole the hearts of everybody in the avengers movie directed by joss whedon and was the one that united the team to take on the chitari and loki yep in such a classic film really to see where his evolution of his character has gone since then has been absolutely crazy well because he remember he was first introduced in iron man 2 way back when mm -hmm. was he even named back then just very briefly, like it was oh, like I don't even there. like I don't even remember if they ever said. And I got a, a couple watched Iron Man two a couple months ago. I don't even remember if they ever said Coulson in the in the movie. We'd have to look, but no, it's 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 like you said, it's been a wild ride where you go from his first introduction in Iron Man two, where he's kind of kind of sort of Tony's, you know, maid, you know, nanny, yeah, yeah. nanny to running running Shield. Yes, Clark Gregg has just given such a voice to this character that, honestly, at the time, it felt like a throwaway. Oh, yeah. It felt like, okay, he's not going to stick around that long. And just to see the inner fanboy come out in him that you really get the sense of just how warm and endearing his character was supposed to be. And you see how the connection is. Almost like uh, with Norman Reedus in The Walking Dead. You know, Norman Reedus' character, Daryl, in The Walking Dead, not in the comics, not in the video games, not in anything, you know, from source material, became very popular. Uh, Agent Phil Coulson, not in, to, at least to my recollection, you know, in any comics, right? You know, was an original character that I think at the time was just going to be a character. He's there for a couple movies, and then they throw, and you know, oh, hey, he's he's gone. Yeah. So spawning out of the 2012 film, yep. Phil Coulson's popularity forced Marvel to kind of make a decision, mm -hmm. and to which it did with mixed results coming out of the gate. That all of a sudden we were hearing at New York Comic Con one year. Colson lives. The yep. hashtag started, and everybody's freaking out, like, what the heck is going on? And then, lo and behold, we start hearing about the show Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., mm -hmm. and then we start getting introduced to the characters, such as the one and only Cavalry Melinda May, mm -hmm. played by Ming-Na Wen. We get introduced to the tag team of Fitz and Simmons, Ian DeCastecker, mm -hmm. and Elizabeth Henstridge, and we also meet Grant Ward, played by Brett Dalton, 
and we get the original lineup of Shield. Now, at this point, the team, when they debuted the first season, dare I say, nothing really right home about. No, I mean, it was an eclectic group of, of people who, on the surface, you don't think would mesh together. Like, you know, I think Ward and uh, Melinda May knew each other. But outside of that, it was kind of like, okay, we don't really know you, know you, but I guess we're working together. Right, and they're thrown together, and they get the addition of a mysterious character named Sky, played by Chloe Bennett. Mm-hmm. From there, the journey has definitely gone into a lot of different twists and turns. Yeah. A lot of ups and downs. Gone into the future, gone into the future, gone into space, about to go into the past. Yes. So what Pad decided to do, he brought up a great idea to recap, because we've already talked about the history of the show, of the season, so we don't want to deep dive too much in that. But Pad brought up a really good idea that I think we're going to run with for this segment. Pad? Yeah, so of course it's the final season of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., and I thought it'd be fun to kind of look back on this, the prior six seasons and just kind of go through some of our favorite moments uh, from the past six seasons. Obviously, when uh, the season finishes, we'll, I'm sure we'll have you know some of our favorite moments from the season and what stood out to us. But I thought it'd be a fun look back and maybe a little bit of a retrospective on the prior six seasons. Yeah, absolutely. So why don't you kick us off? Yeah, so I'm going to start in uh, season one for me, where it's uh, the often you know skip period we like to mention, but it's one of the it's one of the more badass moments from the show and really kind of establishes uh, Ward's character in season one. Uh, it's from an er- early episode in season one. I want to say it's like episode six or something, mm-hmm. uh, where they're you know they're dealing with a, a sickness, a disease, whatever it is, where it appears that uh, Simmons is going to get is going to get killed by it and they're trying to figure it out. And it appears that she, uh, the trial of the anti-serum doesn't work. So she knocks out Fitz and, and he comes to, and she throws herself out of the plane because she thinks she's, a, you know, it's, it's a, like a time basing. Like she's only got a certain amount of time before it goes off and she's right at the, at the timer. So she throws herself out of the plane and, and Fitz is ready to run after her and grab her. But Ward comes out of nowhere grabs a uh, parachute, grabs the anti-serum and jumps out of the plane whilst, you know, without the parachute being on, he's got it in his hand, but he doesn't have it on simultaneously diving through the air, puts the parachute on skydives very, very low. I think if, if you are a uh, skydiving instructor uh, watching this scene, you're looking at how high or low they are. You're going, that is way too late to be pulling a parachute. Uh, catches her and pulls the parachute in just one of the more badass moments of the show that I remember watching it when, cause season one, I was still in college. I remember, I think I was messaging you and I'm like, Oh my God. Oh my God. Oh my God. Yeah. It was one of those moments that you're finally like, okay, for being a super spy organization, mm-hmm. we finally have some real action going on because the, one of the drawbacks and you, I'm, if you've been a long time listener to ODPH, you know, we talk about this all the time. Season one was their worst season. Mm-hmm. And it felt very wash, rinse, repeat. There was no real sense. They were of finding their voice direction. Yeah, they were finding their voice, but they kept harping on the fact that, hey, did you know we're in the Avengers? You know the Avengers, 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 Avengers. I mean, to be fair, Netflix did also did the same thing. Oh, true. But do you remember the incident? Do you remember the incident? Yeah, and that I think became a calling card that really held this show back at first. Mm-hmm. But for me, season one, we were talking about favorite episodes. It had to be. Turn, turn, turn. Mm. And this is the episode that we had the final big switch click in. Mm-hmm. That was tying into Captain America, the Winter Soldier. Yeah. Which previously they've tied into the movies, but it's always been a faint reference. Right. But if you know anything about the Winter Soldier movie, you know this is when Hydra emerged as the threat that it should always have mm-hmm. been. And finally we saw the reenactment, or repercussions rather, of this 
on the show. And yeah. you finally found that, okay, it had the great moment where Ward turns and becomes the, the spy agent yep. that's, that blew everybody away that nobody saw coming. No. Taking out Victoria Hand and really established that, okay, Hydra is a real threat. S.H.I.E.L.D. is going to be the enemy. We finally get that classic battle. Yep. And for longtime watchers of the show, this is when it finally felt new and fresh yeah. and, and good and, and just really stuck out. Because I know at one point they faked that war got shot on a yeah. rooftop, yep. and then they never addressed it. Yeah. Like, it was like, what the heck is going on? So for me, this is like one of my first episodes. It's one of my favorite episodes of S.H.I.E.L.D. And this is when I was like, okay, now this is the starting point. This is when the stuff's getting good. That was a wild just two weeks for Marvel fans if you watched the show because you got to remember, at that point, the show was on like Tuesdays at like 8 or 9 o'clock or something like that. 9 o'clock. 9 o'clock. And you had the lead, you had the episode, air, you had an episode air the set like two days before uh, Captain America Winter Soldier came out. Mm-hmm. And I don't even think they advertised that there was going to be a clip at the end of the episode. No. They like you just watching the episode and, and they did the and if you've ever seen the show on television, you see the you know, they they fade out of a scene and they go, We'll be right back. So you're expecting it to be like the kind of closure, whatever the plot was for the episode, maybe with a little bit of an extension of what's going on for the season overall, or maybe leading into the next episode. But it hard cuts it to that point to a scene we'd only seen bits and pieces of in the trailer for Captain America Civil War. It just hard cuts to Fury in the SUV driving through Washington, D.C. And if you've seen the movie, you know what I'm talking about. It's the scene where he gets attacked. And I well, remember watching this going, oh, wait a minute, this is from the movie. Yeah. Holy shit, what's going on? Yeah. You know, watch that. And so then you go see the movie and because and, the movie came out a couple days later. And I remember the credits rolling and I'm looking at you going, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is going to be wild next week. Yeah. And, and it lived up to the expectations. It lived up. We finally had the big moment that we'd been waiting for because previously all those 16 other episodes mm-hmm. was all like, let's really talk about Sky. Yeah. And let's talk about the incident. Let's talk about the Avengers. Like, no, find your voice and go. Like, I, I can understand from the beginning you started doing Villains of the Week. And yeah. especially for the Marvel Universe because at the time, we have to remember, it was really touted. It's all connected. Yeah. Remember that hashtag was going yeah, on? Yeah, it's lightly connected. It, it was lightly connected, but this is the episode that finally felt like it was connected. Mm-hmm. And it was really tied into it. And it's great. And like mm-hmm. I said, for me, I always tell new watchers of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., this is the episode you should start with. You can watch the other ones, get a little more back history. I, I always say, at least watch the pilot so you get introduced to the characters and at least know who the hell they are. Yeah. And then jump to that episode. Yeah, but either way, it's like this is where it really took off. Yeah. So, Pat, your next one. Um, my next one for me has got to be just, and it's not, it's a whole series of moments. Uh, or no, you know what? It's it's the scene in I forget what episode it was where Ghost Rider Robbie Reyes walks into the uh, jailhouse. Oh, that whole jailhouse sequence. My and, and side note fills in with it. The uh, the uh, spoof or goof trailer thing that they put out where they were in the middle of filming it. And everyone broke out and dance. Yes. So it's it's kind of like a double sided thing. Love the scene in the show how it was presented. Loved the the uh, whatever you call it they put out after the, the season. blooper reel. Thank you. The blooper reel of the everybody just like it's a super serious moment. And he's walking silently through the jailhouse, and you got all the all the uh, guards are and prisoners are walking towards him, and you're like, all right, shit's about to go down here. Oh, hey, we're gonna start dancing. Yeah, it's just one of those little fun moments that we we've seen all casts do. I mean, mm-hmm. it's always, they always have a blooper yeah. reel. But let's touch upon season four. Okay. And this has been by far away my favorite season of S.H.I.E.L.D. I don't think they could have done it any better. 
This is when they finally got bumped to the 10 o'clock slot. And right. I know there was like a little controversy going on. Like, okay, it's at 10 o'clock now. What's it going to mean for ratings? And what's what's it going to mean? It was their best move they could have done because a later time slot allowed them, at least in my opinion, to have more creative freedom. Oh, yeah, and you can get a little more edgy. Yeah, and they obviously started out with that because at this point, Sky had come back from the Secret Warriors yep. storyline that she just lost her boyfriend in space and it went on the went on Rogue from S.H.I.E.L.D. Mm-hmm. and then ran into Robbie Reyes, played by Gabriel Luna, yep. who did phenomenal. I mean, especially for that that version of Ghost Rider is not a household name. Oh, no. Well, and especially when they they announced it, like, oh, hey, Ghost Rider is going to be on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Myself, I went, uh, really? Like, because obviously with the Nicolas Cage films, you know, leaving a bad taste in everyone's mouth. My skull's on fire. Uh, yeah, exactly. You know, when At that point, when you say Ghost Rider is going to be in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., a lot of people went, uh, really? Okay. Well, I was excited to see that they were going to try doing that because they never really had a regular superhero appear for the, for that length of time. Mm. I know they introduced Deathlock way back yeah. when, but I, I I think they underutilized that character. Yes. Very much so. Yes. And then even when they tried doing the Secret Warriors story for S.H.I.E.L.D., I think they could have done a little different you know, here and there and, and made it more super powered esque. Mm-hmm. That was something that you connect to the comics. I know they were really at this point was trying to push the inhumans agenda. Yeah. Which that didn't work out. It, it didn't work and obviously it, it's for the better that they tried and failed than mm-hmm. than never tried at all. Yeah. But at this point it was like Shield needed to do something to really shake it up and really get fans back interested. The announcement of Ghost Rider was definitely one that had a reaction because, obviously, as you touched upon the Nicolas Cage movie. Not that good. Not the best thing ever. Uh, it's it's good for entertainment purposes, but if you really want to talk MCU, we didn't know what to expect. And especially trying to do the Robbie Reyes character, we didn't know how that was going to come across. But right. Gabriel Luna killed it in that role. Absolutely. Oh, did. yeah. And they really, I think, infused his popularity that now you're starting to see that character, Robbie Reyes, appear more in the comics. Yeah, no, I did notice that. That you know, It wasn't an immediate thing, but a couple of, you know, yeah, you're right, a couple of years after uh, his run was over on the, sh- on, the epi- on, the, on the episode, on the show, you definitely did see a lot more of Robbie Reyes in the comics. Yeah, I mean, I think the highest profile is he was in the uh, latest run of the Avengers. He was a yes. member of the team, if yes. I'm, memory serves me right. It's just so wild to see how that that kicked him, but I, a lot of it has to be credited to the agents. Yeah, before because at the beginning of the season, that's what they did, and they got smart too. This is when they finally broke up and set that blueprint that CW copied. Let's not lie about this. Yeah, when they started doing self-contained stories throughout their season. Yes. Now CW has been copying it, in my opinion. I, I need to clarify that. When they started doing the the splits between the mid season finale right. and the mid season premiere, right, right, right. they've switched up villains, which has worked out phenomenal. Yeah, and, I, and I I can't recommend this enough for comic shows. But Shield is the one who got it started, even though they did three stories. Yeah. that season. Yeah, which they did the Ghost Rider saga, they did the LMD, and then Welcome to the Mainframe, mm-hmm. which, like I said, that entire season was spot on. Yeah, but I, I have to agree with you about that one. That that Ghost Rider debut, phenomenal. Mm-hmm. But for me, if I'm talking best moments, and if I if I really want to get into that season four, uh-huh. I have to give it to that entire Enter the Mainframe saga. Yeah, where we finally saw Leo Fitz step up and really, really go flip it 180. So doing a Hulk Hogan heel turn. Yeah. Good lord. Yeah, I mean, just to take it from wrestling terms, he just completely went from being 
one of the big fan favorites yeah. to just one of the the most evil villains on the show. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just absolutely wild to see when they did it, and it made sense because it was also like a tragic thing because of the injuries he sustained right. in, a, in a previous season that he just had brain damage, and this is where it came out and where he became the evil super villain where he sucked everybody into its own private universe. Mm-hmm. And then you started seeing the history of Agent Steel coming back about, which was absolutely crazy to see. Yeah. And just what he was doing with Ada, his LMD model that he built. And, yep. And just the absolute sheer torture he was doing to his team and just the heartbreaking moments where you had the newer characters such as Mac and Yo-Yo mm-hmm. get sucked in and just the, the heartfelt – portrayals of Henry Simmons losing his daughter on screen yeah, and Natalia Cordova Buckley who played Yo-Yo who really shined in that season too because yeah. I mean she was the one carried over from Secret Warriors is so well done that you just could not just stand up and applaud and especially how they brought back old characters too mm-hmm. throughout that entire run I mean that was as perfect of a season in my opinion that you could do yeah and like I said I can't cannot cannot applaud that season enough yeah Next moment, Pat. Well, for me, I got, I got, it's a, like you said, the enter the mainframe thing, just everything about it. And, and for me, the biggest thing was just kind of, the, it was, it was almost like a Marvel what if type scenario where nothing was as you expected it. You know, everyone, it, it, it they were deliberately like kept in low echelon portions of the simulation where you can do the least amount of damage and, and we can still keep an eye on you. It was very interesting to see, you know, Oh, oh, that's what Colson's doing. Oh, that's what's going. Oh, that's what this person. Whoa, that like, and just all the fallout and everything that happened with like, especially that carried over for the next season or so mm-hmm. with with Fitz dealing with and holy like, it was almost a yeah I did it and yeah it was another type of personality in me, but I knew what I was doing the entire time and I was okay with it. Yeah, like it's just mind blowing to see just how you know you touch upon the wrestling term. Uh, of the Hulk Hogan character, mm-hmm. uh, just how he went from being one of the most beloved characters on Shield, and just the ones one of the most hated. You yeah, know, like how he went from being the red and yellow Hulk Hogan to Hollywood Hulk Hogan at the time. To clarify, yeah, for all our non wrestling fans. So, that, but that being said, I mean, yeah, that whole season was just such fun, and especially Mallory Jensen playing Ada. Yeah, was a perfect foil, and how they did her storyline, which led into one of my favorite moments, and that is the the season five finale. Mm. If I can jump into, yeah, which you saw the end of Coulson. Yep, you saw everything get tied up. You saw Fitz really delve into, you know, where he tried having his redeeming arc because let's face it with all the stuff that he was dealing with Mm -hmm. and how weird that season five was. Yeah. Like, let's talk about it. It started off obviously with that introduction to Enoch. Yes. And the talking head song to kick in, which I remember we we were down in New York comic con for the panel for. Yeah. And just really went like, okay, I have no idea what the heck is going on. Yeah. Cause what they, it was like an hour, a little over an hour episode. They showed us what? 20 minutes, Mm -hmm. 20, 25 minutes. You and I came out of that and we're like, what the hell did we just see? And we didn't mean that in a bad way. It was just they showed us the first literally the first 20 minutes of the episode. We couldn't figure out what the hell was going on. Right. It was just like, okay, what is going on here? So the entire time that season, you saw the team was taken into the future. And, mm-hmm. and that one was it was a good season, I have to say. I'll say the reveal of, well, the, the, you didn't know they were in the future until a couple episodes in. Yeah. Because it was always, a, you, they knew they were in space, but they always just figured, oh, we're off in some other galaxy or some other portion of the, of the Milky Way galaxy. Mm-hmm. At no point did they ever consider, 
were in orbit around Earth. And there was that fantastic reveal at the end of one of the episodes where it was facing like the, the front of the ship or whatever, or whatever it was. And the camera just panned around and you saw the Earth and it was just in shambles. Yeah, it was absolutely wild to see. And it gave a little more backstory to what they were doing. Like it was a very well tied up series. Yeah. And how, if it was going to end like that. It could have gone out and been perfectly fine with it. And that's how they wrote it because, remember, at the time, they thought that was the end. Yeah, they absolutely did because Marvel was making a transition and we really didn't know what to expect. The ratings had never really been gangbuster as it started out with, but the show had gotten to such better of a quality point that you really didn't know how to deal with this. And then to deal with the end of Coulson and just the Mm -hmm. ramifications of what happened in Season 4, like they definitely carried – a lot of the writing throughout the years from yeah. season two, three, and four yeah. with characters. And you saw just if you were a longtime viewer, you got the payoffs you were looking for. And none was bigger than with Fitz, who ultimately sacrificed himself for the team. But due to reasons, he definitely caused a time loophole and you know got maybe a little bit more of the messier situation of that. Yeah, a little bit. But you really can't take away what his character has done. I mean, I don't know if he and Simmons have been the standout characters of the show mm-hmm. because they both have had crazy moments throughout. Yeah. I mean, even so with season six and the moment where they were addressing their relationship. Right. And they went really back and forth. And it was yeah. just when they were trapped in there and they just vented about everything. Yeah. And it was just something that for longtime fans – you really got that payoff. Like oh, that, yeah. Like, that was more of a, a love letter to longtime fans. I'll say the overarching story with those two characters from season one up to this point has been the one that, like, through the ups and the downs, has been the biggest, like, knife twist in the heart. Because mm-hmm. it's the two characters. You want to see all these characters make it through and be okay and, and be happy. But for them, it, I think a lot of people, myself included, want to see them happy the most. So every, like, there was that one season where they were finally reunited after some BS they were going through. And Simmons got sent to the other side of the galaxy. And just when they got back together, uh, something else happened and they couldn't be together again. You know, it was just all those ups and downs. And just for every down, it was just like another twist of the knife in your heart. Oh, yeah. No, it absolutely was. I mean, let's just talk of two. I think their best episode they've ever done, I think, characterizes that completely. And that is the one that was just Jenna Simmons in the monolith universe Mm, by herself. Yeah. And seeing how she acted you know, being trapped away. The, mm-hmm. episode, the episode is titled 47, 22, uh, hundred hours. Mm-hmm. Absolutely brilliant. Yeah. And dare I say is, is probably shield's strongest episode. It's, it's up it, there. It's debatable, but it is. And just the acting job that Elizabeth Henstress did in that show. Yeah. Uh, incredible. Just, but that goes to show just, I mean, how the depth of the characters were and how those two, I think originally weren't supposed to steal the show. No, but they wound up doing it for the most part. And just how it's going to carry over too, where their saga ends, is anybody's guess. Mm-hmm. But, I, but I'm excited to see how they're going to write this off. I'm hoping Sunshine and Daisies. Well, you have to think that. But it's uh, comics; it's never guaranteed. It's never guaranteed, and especially though they're going to head to uncharted water. Mm-hmm. I mean, we did see the trailer for this upcoming season. Yep. And we do know that they're back in New York, 1931, 1931. and the Chronicoms are there too, and yep. they basically have to. Save the world and go back in time without causing a time rip. Which, as we know with time travel, it's a little messy. It's, it's hard to do. It's very hard to do, but they do have their leader back. Yep. I mean, we finally have Phil Coulson as an LMD. Which, which you called season one. Season Well, I mean, season one is the only thing that makes sense. If you ever read S.H.I.E.L.D. comics, LMDs are part of the turf. 
It 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 is. I mean, yeah. you, they yeah. it's like peanut butter and jelly. They just go together. Pretty much. So to finally see it happen on screen, it makes sense. And obviously, with how they needed to keep Phil Coulson on the show, because let's yeah. face it, if Clark Gregg's not on that show, yeah, you, I mean, you're losing the heart and soul. Yeah, you, you lose so much. And obviously, if they're going to let him go out on their terms with one last crazy ride, mm-hmm. let him do it because yeah. you've seen so many characters come and go on this show. Yeah, and you've seen so many great moments, like we've touched upon, that. Honestly, like for this to get their final due, what do you think is going to be the big payoff for us? Because we know that this is all going to get retconned under the new MCU universe under Kevin Feige. Right. That the TV shows are going to be considered canon. Uh, I, yeah, I was going to say, I think they'll still be considered canon, but I think it'll be one of those things that like, it, if it's canon for you, great. If you don't watch them, you don't really lose anything by not watching them. Mm-hmm. But I think for us being longtime watchers, I'm just expecting a great payout. Yeah. I think that they did such a job with episode or the season series or season finale. Mm -hmm. I always want to say series finale of season five. Yeah. That I think we're going to see something like that for this go around. I just want to see something happen in regards to the snap with this season. Yeah. See, I just don't know if they're going to do that because they they did tease around that topic in season six. Well, they didn't even go near it. No, they made a quick reference. It It was a blink and miss it. Because I, I thought I read that last season was like before the snap, not and not during. Oh, you could be right. Like I, I, I think I, I think I remember reading that last season was before the snap. It hadn't even happened, and now they're traveling back in time. I'm I'm just like it doesn't even have to be anything major. Mm-hmm. Just like something to come and connect it with the snap because you can't have something like that and then have a Marvel show like that and not have it connect in some way. Well, that's what I think they want to really try doing. I think they will have some connection, too, whether it's like when they come back is when everybody else comes back. Oh, yeah. Like, or, or or they come back because I get, I get the feeling with this season, they're starting in 31. I feel like that's not the only time period they're going to be in. I feel like they're going to be jumping around a little bit, maybe. Um, I think maybe at one point they'll come back and everyone will be gone. Like they like because they're where they're at the right now the warehouse the warehouse the White House mm-hmm. or whatever it is they it's fairly well staffed they come back and it's like almost nobody's there so they're like uh what the hell happened how badly would you mark out if Chris Evans was in there oh my god because you know he time jumped with the stone yeah in Endgame and that's yeah. something where they bump into yeah I'm just I mean it's wishful thinking because yeah. the only the only time they've ever had a star appear like that was Samuel L Jackson yeah that's true who did come on the show but well and uh Lady Seth. Yeah, Jamie Alexander did come on. Uh, didn't Maria Hill appear in a few episodes too? Too? No, she did. If I'm not memory serves me right. No, I think she did. Uh, season four or something like that. It wasn't many. It was maybe one or two. But it was like a really quick scene. Yeah, it yeah. was like a conference call. Yeah, something right? like that. Yeah. There's been so many memories. I mean, we can keep going on and on about Shield. Mm-hmm. But I guess for going into tonight's premiere as we're recording, what's the biggest thing that you really are really excited about? Uh, just to see where they go with this and, and to see what they have to do. I've, I've read some rumblings and I've read some theories online on what they exactly they have to do. And I'm interested to see if those end up being true. I am just waiting to see if Mac has his shotgun axe in 1931. That'll be really weird if he does. The best weapon possible because you know the Chronicoms are going to have their laser weapons. Yeah. So, I mean, what else is going to happen? Because I'm sorry. I just have to give a nod to that because that is arguably one of the more comic book things I've ever seen in a show. Mm -hmm. But it just goes back to the essence of S.H.I.E.L.D. where it's supposed to be everything that you want to see in a comic show. Yeah. And for what their legacy is going to be, I just want to see them end on a strong note. To be all seriousness, mm-hmm. I want to see them end on a strong note. I'm really excited to see what the direction is going to be, and if we're really going to be dealing with time travel and just what the new 
feel of the show is going to be because let's face it it's not going to be the same as we've seen in years past yeah i think they're going to be obviously staying away from more of the cosmic stuff and space stuff that they've been doing to a degree because i know last season was so heavily on the story of the return of quote-unquote colson and Mm -hmm. and what was going on there and i mean it was a good season don't get me wrong but it was one that was like okay this is a little too sci-fi i think for shield yeah so we'll have to see with time travel what it does but in essence I just want to see him start on a good note, end on a good note, and say thank you for the memories. But let us know what you think. Hit us up on that hashtag, hashtag ODPH. Agent of Shields, come back tonight. What do you think? Hit us up. Let us know. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Hey, everybody. This is Nerd Bomber here, one of the co-hosts of the Online Warriors podcast. Our weekly podcast started as a way for three friends to keep in touch and discuss their passion for movies, gaming, technology, and entertainment. And since then, we've grown into a fantastic online community. Every Wednesday, we release a new episode discussing the latest nerdy news. And then we go hands-on with our weekly adventures and a fun trivia show. Sound interesting? Check us out on every podcast platform, including Spotify and Apple Podcasts, or hit us up at OnlineWarriorsPodcast.com. This is Rich, the host of the Three Fat Nerds podcast and co-host of the Horizon 607 podcast. And you are listening to our hashtag 607 podcast brothers, the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. Now kick it back over to Ken Moneybags and the crew. Coming back for the final segment on this edition of the ODPH Podcast. Pad, what you got for those one shots? Got a couple things to talk about. Uh, One of my favorite comedies on television of all time uh, recently got announced that it is coming back for season 15. That is It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Of course, the long-running FX television series just got renewed for its 15th season, uh, which makes it the longest-running uh, comedy uh, on tele- in television history. Uh, it had previously tied a uh, comedy by the name of The Adventures of Ozzy and uh, excuse me, Ozzy and Harriet. Uh, and since uh, the last episode of Ozzy and Harriet aired in March of 1966, don't think there's any chance they're going to come back and, and take the crown away from Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Uh, yeah, I would say so. Is one of the raunchiest, wildest shows that where any that anything that can happen will happen and in the worst way possible if you haven't seen it i highly recommend you go watch it all the seasons are on available on hulu uh especially recommend i can't remember what season or episode it is but if you google it you'll find out if you want to watch a very topical episode given what's going on in the world the gang gets quarantined oh jeez. Uh, oh no there's a flu epidemic in the city of philadelphia and the gang quarantines themselves and they're in the bar they own that's all i'm gonna say it's a fantastic episode and very topical. Dare I say, what's your favorite moment from Sunny? Oh, uh, probably, probably just that whole episode with where the gang gets quarantined. Just because it's there's just something about it where, or no, no, you know what it is. Uh, it's there's an episode I, again. Forget what episode, what season it's from. Right, right. But the, there's the legendary supposed Wade Boggs. Uh, flight where he drank for, where what was it? it was like from the east coast to the west coast he drank the entire time like 70 bottles of alcohol or something something crazy like and that then, rumored and then it ru- supposedly and then went and played a baseball game and went it hit like 400 or something like that for the baseball game yeah there's an episode where the this main characters fly from philadelphia to los angeles try and drink as many beers as he did supposedly uh on that flight and then try and get a hit and, and just the antics that ensue from that episode are absolutely outrageous. 
That show, I, I'm surprised it's gone this long. I mean, I'm very happy for it. I mean, I've, yeah. every time I've caught it, it's been funny. Oh, it's a riot. Yeah, so just, but to see it's it's, it's up there in that supernatural Ozzy and Harriet talk, mm-hmm. the longest running ever. Yeah. I mean, kudos to them. Yeah, and of course, uh, one of the show's directors, producers, creators, writers, actors, uh, Rob McInerney, did confirm the other day uh, on Twitter when somebody asked, uh, they will be covering the current pandemic in next season. Oh, Jesus. Uh, it's going to be outrageous, and I cannot wait. That's going to be absolutely insane. Uh-huh. I, I don't even know if I'm ready for that. Oh, it's going to be so good. Uh, moving on, uh, some interesting news uh, that came out the other day from uh, writer-director Simon Kinberg, of course, who worked on a number of the Fantastic, or not Fantastic Four, uh, X-Men movies, uh, of course, wrote and directed uh, Dark Phoenix. Ugh. Uh, there was a theory out there uh, that was uh, that said Mr. Sinister was going to be in uh, uh, the Gambit movie, and that you know twenty. He did confirm the theory that 2016's X Men Apocalypse was meant to set the stage for a Mr. Sinister-driven X Men movie, uh, and it would have been in Gambit. So a little interesting to see that we might have gotten a. Mr. Sinister appearance in the X-Men Fox universe, although given their Trek record, I'm glad they didn't get the chance to. Yeah. Uh, Ryan Reynolds, Deadpool, the original version. That's all I'm going to say. Yeah. They would have butchered it. Oh, I, I, yeah, I don't even think I'm mentally ready for that. Mm-hmm. Definitely not. Yep. Uh, last one I got is uh, for a upcoming TV series that's reportedly in development at Disney+. Plus. Got to admit, did not see this coming. Uh, first saw it the other day from a source... I consider it to be less than reputable. Uh, they are wrong nine times, nine and a half times out of 10. So I saw that. I'm like, all right, this has been rumored for 10, 15 years that this has been that the, uh, the uh, company I'm about to mention has wanted to do this. We'll see if this is true. Uh, started coming out from some more people and some people I trust a little bit more than uh, this initial place I saw it from. Uh, appears that Disney is working on a Kingdom Hearts television series for Disney+. Plus. Oh, look out. Holy crap. Did not see this coming. Like I said, because like, I've been a fan of the Kingdom Hearts series from you know its inception in 2002. Right. There have been rumors off and on of a television series or a movie for like 10, 15 years. But it's always just been, oh, hey, they're thinking about doing one and nothing ever to it. But no, uh, apparently it's true. Uh, there is a series in the works. Uh, they will bring back the voice actors for some of the Disney characters. So Jim Cummings is Winnie the is Winnie the Pooh. Uh, Bill Farmar is Goofy. You know, but whether they bring back some of the voice actors for the original characters like Haley Joel Osment or David Gallagher, you know, remains to be seen. I don't see why not because it's not going to be a live action series. It's going to be CGI. I would imagine they'll have to simplify the plot a little bit because if there's any anything Kingdom Hearts fans will tell you, the plot's a little convoluted. Time travel gets involved. Multiple personalities of the same person in different bodies get involved. So for a, a television audience that you know hasn't played the game and isn't too familiar with the story, might have to simplify it a little bit. It'll be I think it'll be interesting to see though because for some of the early games, not so much the third one, uh, the final Final Fantasy characters factor very heavily into it. You know such as Cloud and, and Tifa and Aerith from Final Fantasy VII. Of course, the remake just came out. Sephiroth appears in a few of them. You know, Final Fantasy characters appear throughout a majority of the games. It'll be interesting to see if they show up on the show. One would think maybe not because it's a whole separate property and it's a whole separate ball game than a video game. But given the popularity of Final Fantasy VII and all the glowing reviews it's gotten, it wouldn't surprise me to see that. Yeah, this is absolutely wild to hear about that yeah. it's going to happen. And 
With Disney Plus, I mean their track record has been spot on thus far. Yeah. So obviously, with everything they're doing, the MCU, the Mandalorian, Star Wars universe, mm-hmm. you have to imagine this is going to be a surefire hit. Yeah, and of course, uh, this is all coming from uh, writer Emra Kaya, who, uh, who writes for the Cinema Spot. Uh, she tweeted out the other day uh, that Disney originally had plans to make the show, but duties uh, apparently shifted to Square Enix. That's the company that makes the video game. Uh, company has reportedly created a pilot using the Unreal Engine. That's the software they use to build the most recent video game. So it's going to look just like the damn video game, which is going to be awesome. And I hope it comes out, and I hope it's amazing, because I will binge the hell out of this. Oh, yeah, I can imagine we're not going to see for a while. Nah, just because if it's Disney Plus, it'll be that uh, Disney Plus release schedule of weekly. Yeah. So, But, yeah, no, the uh, article I'm reading from, like I said, it's been rumored for a while. Apparently, they had uh, plans to create an animated series after the success of the original game in 2002, but it was uh, canceled due to being a vastly different interpretation of the game's story. There's also rumor, like, Disney's history with this franchise is very interesting just because it's made them a lot of money. It's been very popular and very successful over the years, but up until recently, they haven't really done anything on the Disney side of things. Uh, You can go to the park when they're open and buy pins for the games, which is a very recent thing. But there were rumors, but I've never seen photos that uh, around 2002 when the first game came out, you could actually find Donald and Goofy in their costumes from the game, along with Sora, the main character, in his costume from the game as characters in the park. Like you see Mickey and Disney and uh, uh, Daisy and all the other Disney characters you're familiar with. Like you go, if you've ever been to Disney, you find out where the Queen of Hearts is and you can go get a picture with the Queen of Hearts. Same type of deal. Supposedly that happened. I've never seen photos and I've never been able to find photos. So if anyone has a photo or knows where to find one, send it to us. But it's just very interesting that all of a sudden it's getting a lot of a, a, a very big push. Yeah, but you know what? If the content is good, people will find it. Yes. So I know you're super excited about yeah, this. Yeah, I am. I, I know we'll be reviewing that on the show. When oh, I will. I, I am fully banking on that. So I will. But we'll have to see. I mean, Disney Plus is coming out strong. The game. Uh-huh. They're, they're coming with so many ideas. I mean, it's, it's just mind-boggling that, you know, this wasn't even on a registered, like, I, like we we're going to see this. Yeah. And now we're going to actually have this show. I mean, uh-huh. I, and I know you're such a big fan of that. I know Tyler from 30 and Nerdy is such a huge fan of this. Yeah. Like, it's just absolutely crazy to see how much Disney is coming out with for this. But, oh, yeah. But it justifies having that great subscription. So yep. kudos to you guys. So that being said, for my one shots, I really, really, really just want to plug Livestream for the Cure. It's going down twitch.tv slash epicfilmguys. A bunch of amazing content creators are teaming up to raise money for the Cancer Research Institute. I cannot stress how important this event is. I cannot thank Nick and Justin for allowing us to be a part of this event. It is truly going to be something special. And if you have the chance to donate, please, please, please consider donating. Livestreamforthecure.com has all the information, and we've already stressed this enough. Rich from 3FN, Tom from Off the Cuff Gaming, and myself are going to be on between 1 and 2 on Sunday, May 31st, and we're talking the worst video game films of all time. No, oh, that's a long list. I'm telling you, man. It is. We have actually narrowed it down, so we each have five picks right now. Okay. And we each have five picks for the games that should have been made into films. Okay. So that being said, we have thrown that challenge out that if anybody makes a donation for this and screenshots it to us because we want to make sure everybody's donating. That's the biggest thing. Make sure if you're donating, you screenshot it to us. So we say, hey, I donated. We I don't even, even know how much. I just need to know you did. And give us your picks for the worst video game movie of all time, 
and your game that should be made in film, and we will read it on air and shout you out. Like, literally, if I have to spend the 50 minutes on air shouting out podcasts and listeners mm-hmm. that donated, I have no problem doing this. I will literally rip off my list on TV or streaming and throw it away. Anyone who says the Ratchet and Clank movie is a terrible video game movie, you're dead to me. Oh, <laughs> I think that is on a list. I am not sure. Oh, they're dead to me. We're gonna- it's not the best video game movie of all time, but it's by no means the worst. I, I want to say, I, I know it's not on mine. Okay. I, I'm not going to spoil mine. Mine are, are if, you, if you know me very well from listening on this podcast, you probably have an idea what some of my picks are. Okay. One, my number one, I like. I don't ever talk about this game on there in the film because it is that bad. Mm. But I know Ratchet and Clank is not on mine. I think it is on one of the other gentlemen's list. Oh, boy. So we will, They're dead to me. We will be having some conversations post May 31st on here about that. But I like I say I can't stress enough. I every everything going on in the world right now, the fact that we're actually going to be a part of this, I mean, is truly something special for me. And if you know my history with uh, cancer in my family, I cannot stress enough about joining it. Any cause is going to help kick cancer's ass. So that being said, if you have the means to donate, please donate. If you can't, I'm not holding it against anybody. Just make sure you're sharing the event, you're supporting the event, share it on your social media accounts, give a watch over on twitch.tv slash epicfilmguys, and let's help raise some money for cancer research and help kick cancer's ass. I cannot stress it enough, and I cannot say thank you enough for allowing us to be a part of that. That being said, the music you heard at the beginning of the show is that of Shout at the Robots, one of our favorite bands here in the 607, and we're going to be closing the show with another song from Tom Jolu, who's going to be appearing on the ODPH podcast sometime later this year when all the restrictions are lifted. So sooner than later, he will be coming through to talk some music with everybody. But how do you find out about him? Shout, Floodlands, Walking Distance, Honker, uh, Fair City Fire, Second Suitor, Yard Party, the list goes on and on and on. OchoDuroParleyHour.com slash music. Also on the ODPH webpage, you can head over to the directory where you can find such links to Excite Wrestling, which they always got stuff going on. Yep. You can find links to Tom from Off the Cuff Gaming, who will be teaming up with us for live stream for The Cure, happening this Sunday, as we already previously mentioned. He, he's still doing that Final Fantasy VII remake gamepad. Oh, boy. Wants to have people in the chat. And you might have to jump in there if he's the one that said about Ratchet and Clank. Oh, boy. I, he's dead to me. If he if he's the one who said it, nope, not happening. Oh, boy. Tom, you're going to have to address Pat about this. You know where to find him. And also on the ODPH directory, you can check out all the great podcasting groups that we're in and their pod chaser lists. So shout out to Pod Nation. Shout out to Legion Independent Podcast. Shout out to Alternate Reality Radio. Shout out to the Apocalypse community. And shout out to Hashtag 67 Podcast. And a special shout out to 8122 Productions. Rich, Ron, and Hashtag Big Natty Cool. Still on Twitter, Pat. Oh, boy. Has not been kicked off yet. He wants that smoke, though. He has been fired up. He is definitely waiting for some interaction. All those guys over at the 3FN Network have been definitely putting in some work, and their Patreon is exploding right now. They have so much content coming on there. For $1 gets you in the door, $3 gets you a comfy seat at the table. You can hear Ron talk about I Love Movies Van Wilder next Mm. week, which is going to be a fun one. I can't wait to hear his take on that. And, of course, there is Love is Scary, the hottest show behind a Patreon wall that I cannot talk about. Otherwise, we will get kicked off by three providers. And I'm hoping that stays at three. I don't want to hear anybody else say, ODPH, you'll be gone if you talk about the show on your. That being said, everything going on there, 8122 Productions. And definitely check out patreon.com slash 8122Productions. Shout out to those guys. We're definitely excited to be teaming up with them this coming Sunday for live stream for The Cure, which if everything holds out, we will be back at Dragon Master Games for the event. Cool. 
Yes, the the standby or the stage uh, shutdown is going to be lifted. We are thinking for DMG on this weekend, so we'll definitely be able to get back in there. I'm super excited to get back to their studio and, and do some stuff there. So all of that you can find on OchoDuroParleyHour.com. That's all I got for this week. So for the one and only Padawan J. Thank you, thank you. I'm your host, Ken. Thank you so much for listening to the ODPH podcast, better known as the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. See you next time.